Welcome to the Lady Preacher Podcast, a podcast for the progressive Christian, where we talk about an all-loving God, an embodied Christ, and an ever-moving spirit. Dive right in as we wrestle with what it means to live out our faith in the world. everyone. Welcome to the Lady Preacher Podcast. This is your lovely host, Pastor Kelsey Beebe, and I am excited to be here with you today. We're going to be digging into a passage from Romans. This is Romans chapter 7 verses 15 through 25. And I'm reading today from the message translation because I just, I appreciate the way that Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message, translates this particular passage. And so I invite you to, to open your hearts and your minds to hear these words from Paul as interpreted and translated by Eugene Peterson in the message. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, It becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more, for I know the law, but still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. And just when I least expect it, they take charge. I have tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the very end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Here ends our reading. I invite you to pray with me. Holy and gracious God, we want to do what is right. And yet something within us pulls us in the other direction. Today, help us to discern how to follow Christ's example, to figure out what we do when this happens. Lead us in your ways, O God, and guide us. Today, we ask that you open our minds, open our hearts, and fill our well. In your name we pray. Amen. In this passage, when Paul said, I'm constantly doing things I don't want to do, I thought, amen, Paul. Amen. (laughs) Me too. I am also constantly doing things I don't necessarily want to do. And how many of us really struggle with this? How many of us struggle to do the things we want to do? How many of us know what is right and then end up not quite doing that? 
I can't tell you how many times I've written down, these are my intentions. And then I go way off. And so this humanizes Paul in a lot of ways. Paul is the one who wrote many of the epistles, uh, the books of the New Testament that follow, for example, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Everything that comes after that, like the book of Romans and the letters to the Corinthians, etc. Paul is attributed with writing these. And so this, this humanizes him in many ways. It, it brings him down to a level we can really relate to because it's human, right? It's human to decide one way and then act another, which is exactly what he wrote here. He's doing things he actually despises. He knows better and yet he does the opposite. And I know for me, I, like I said, I constantly do things I don't want to do. And I'm not talking about like, I don't want to eat a donut, but I do want to eat a donut. So I eat a donut. I'm not, I'm not talking about food or exercise though. I know sometimes those can trip me up too, but what I want to talk about is like, I don't want to be mean when I am hungry, but I generally am. You can ask my family or my husband or any of my friends who know me well, that uh, when I get hungry, I also get hangry and I don't want to be that way, but I am. I don't want to treat my husband or my family poorly when I am cranky, when I wake up on the wrong side of the bed, but sometimes I do. I don't want to screw up or say the wrong thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing. I don't want to cause harm to anyone else, but inevitably I will. I do. And I have. I don't want to judge people prematurely or at all, but I know that I do. And getting deeper, as someone who considers herself an ally, I don't want to have racist, homophobic, transphobic, sexist, or ableist thoughts, but, and this really sucks to admit, but sometimes I do. Sometimes I do. So I think it's helpful in the sense to to give a story as an example. And so for me, the one I thought of was, I have wanted to be a pastor since I was a little kid and my mom was a pastor. I think I was nine the first time I said I wanted to, to go into ministry, but there was a female pastor at my parents' church, one of my parents' churches. And I remember telling my parents that I really, I didn't really like her voice whenever she would preach. That's something that I, that I focused on. And then when I was in college, I started going to a local church and there was a female associate pastor And I remember I called my parents and I mentioned the same thing. Like there's this female preacher and I just, there's something about her voice that, that kind of grates me. And my mom, my stepmom called me out. She said, Kelsey, for someone who wants to be a preacher, you really don't seem to like lady preachers. And it, it shook me. It shook me a little bit and made me stop in my tracks and, and try to think about, okay, what is it in me that like is really resisting this? Because honestly, it really wasn't about their voices. That's what I was putting blame on. That's, but that's probably not what it was. And so there was something I had to look at and to work through. But another really good example, I just heard this on Brene Brown's podcast, Unlocking Us, which if you haven't listened to that podcast, I 100% recommend it. I would even tell you, turn this one off and go listen to that one. But Brene Brown recently told a story about how many years ago, she was in the midst of teaching a lot of classes around gender equity, women's and gender studies, feminism, and, and how to move the movement forward in a more equitable way. And she was getting on an airplane and sat down and she was actually on her way to a conference about women's and gender studies and equity. And out of the cockpit came a female pilot. And Brene was like, oh, cool, right on. Like such an awesome thing to have a a woman be the co-pilot. This is great. But then another woman came out 
of the cockpit and she was like, oh my gosh, we are going down. Like y'all can test out your woman pilots on someone else's flight. Like I can't, I can't do this. And she had a moment where she realized what she was thinking. There was something ingrained in her where she was like, I know better. I know better. I know women are fully capable of flying planes and doing everything a man can do. And yet there was something in me ingrained in me that had told me that women couldn't be pilots or X, Y, and Z. And she had to notice it in order to be able to shift it. And how many of us have had something come out of our mouths where we're like, Ooh, I didn't realize that I held that belief in me. And I just blurted that out. We do the exact things we don't want to do. Just like Paul, we know better. We know better. And yet here we are. I know deep in my heart, what is right. And yet, like Paul says, sin shows up and trips me up. But I want to be clear here because it's not to pass the blame. I'm not passing the blame from myself to sin. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't think that's what Paul is saying either. I am still the one doing the thing. I'm still the one who may have said the wrong thing or done the wrong thing or even thought the wrong thing. And whether it's conscious or subconscious, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we know better and we are the ones who did that thing. And so why is it? Why is it when we know what's right that we do the opposite? That's what Paul is grappling with is this question. Why do I do what is wrong when I know what is right? What is the deal here? And honestly, I think it's just that we're human. We don't get it right every time. But isn't that how we learn? We learn by getting it wrong and by someone helping us see how to do it better. Someone offering us a helping hand, offering to teach us, giving us a lesson. And then we take it in and we learn and we shift. But here's the important thing. We have to be able to admit that we have done something wrong in order to learn to do better. Right? When I do something that's out of alignment with who I am and with who God calls me to be, if I want to change, it requires me to acknowledge that I did something wrong and then make a shift. I have to be paying attention, able to admit when I've done something wrong and then willing to learn how to do better. It makes me think of when Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better. And I think honestly, y'all, that Jesus believed that we could do better. But he also knew that we weren't always doing great, right? He was often calling out his followers and trying to get them to pay attention and pointing out that they weren't always doing the right thing. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 16 through 17, Jesus says, But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. Jesus is saying, pay attention, pay attention. I'm trying to teach you. When we played the flute for you, you did not dance. Pay attention. Anyone who has ears to hear, listen, listen. Jesus is trying to wake us up to snap something into us, to help us pay attention and to learn. In Christian circles, you'll often hear the words Jesus and judgment in the same sentence. Like Jesus came and will come again to judge. We hear these words even in scriptures, but for me, it, it gave me this image of a God who is just keeping track of everything I ever did wrong. 
Like I'm going to get to heaven and God is going to be there with this long list. Like here are all the people you hurt. Here are all the bugs you killed. Here are all the things that you did wrong. But that's not a life-giving image of God or of Christ. And that's really not what Jesus was about. Sure, it talks in scripture about judgment, but the point of Jesus's ministry wasn't to judge and condemn us, but to teach us, to heal us. It says in scriptures, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Jesus came to teach us and to help heal us, to point out when we're going out of alignment with who we are and pull us back in to remind us who we are, who God created us to be. And sure, there were a few times when Jesus got frustrated, a few times when he cried out, how much longer do I have to be with you, this bullheaded generation? Of course, Jesus got frustrated. I think I would get frustrated too. But here's the thing. Jesus never gave up. Jesus never gave up. At the forefront of his ministry, in the depths of his heart, Jesus believed in the possibility of our redemption and transformation. If he didn't believe that, would he have gone and died on the cross for us? I don't believe so. Jesus believed in the possibility of our redemption and transformation. He believed that the healing of the world was possible. He knew we would get it wrong over and over. We would get it wrong. But Jesus tells us, you are not without hope. You will make mistakes. You will say things you wish you could put right back into your mouth. You will cause harm. But you know what? My friends, Jesus is holding the door open for you. Even when you get it wrong, Jesus believes that you have it in you to get it right. He's holding the door open for you. I know for me, I owe much of my transformation and how much I have grown to the people who held the door open for me, who saw in me the capacity for change. When I did something wrong or harmful, they didn't just condemn me, but they helped me move forward and change and transform. They helped me learn and helped me do better. They were the embodiment of grace, just like Jesus Christ. As Paul reminds us again and again that grace is free. It also comes with responsibility and an amount of accountability. If we continue reading from where I was quoting earlier in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says just a few verses later, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to read that again. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's such a beautiful, beautiful passage. It's one I have read in hospital rooms, on deathbeds, and at funerals as a reminder that we can lay our sorrows and our worries on Christ. That he will give us rest for our weary souls. But there's another layer to this passage. When Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, I want to dig in here into what that yoke is. 
For those who would have been hearing Jesus say these words, it was commonly understood that that yoke was obedience to Torah. When they heard the word yoke, it was about being obedient to the Torah, to God's law and guidance. And so what Jesus is saying here is that the yoke of God's law, of following that, the burden of of following in that is easy and light. It's still a yoke. It's still going to require work, but it's so much easier and so much lighter. Jesus is saying, you are tired and you are weary because you have strayed from this path, because you haven't been following things. And don't we know that to be true? Don't we know that doing the wrong thing is exhausting? Don't we know that those actions that mean we have strayed from who God has called us to be, that's exhausting. Lying is a really perfect example of this. When we lie, even just once, it can snowball into this huge web. It it creates this web that gets spun out of control because one lie leads to another lie leads to another lie. And it is exhausting to try to keep up with that. It is exhausting to perpetuate hate. It is exhausting to perpetuate violence. It is exhausting. It is exhausting to continue carrying these burdens of things that we know deep down we're wrong. And so what Jesus is saying here is lay it down, lay that down and take up my yoke instead for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Follow my teachings, follow God's law. It is still a yoke. Yes, but it is so much lighter and so much easier. Jesus knows that we are human. Jesus knows that we're going to do the wrong thing sometimes. And when we do, it's important to confess, to admit that we have done wrong, and then to learn and to repent. To repent, I talk about this often, but to repent means to turn around. It means that you were going the wrong way. And so just turn around, go the other way. And I I had an epiphany about this particular phrase the other day, because when you're going the wrong way, like think about your driving, right? And you're going one way and then eventually you're like, "I, I don't know where I am. And you realize you have gone the wrong way. In order to turn around, you first have to admit that you have been going the wrong direction. In order to change directions, to change paths, you have to first admit that you were going the wrong way. And that is what Jesus calls us to do, to see where we were causing harm, to name how we have done so, to admit we have done wrong, and then to change direction, to go a different way, a holier way, a healthier way, to take up Jesus's yoke instead of the other yoke, the wrong yoke, the one that caused harm. But instead we pick up and put on Jesus's yoke because his yoke is easy and the burden is light. My friends, Jesus is holding the door open for you. It is never too late to change directions. No one is beyond redemption. When you start to feel like Paul, when you start to feel frustrated that you keep doing the wrong thing, even when you know what is right, know that Jesus is standing in the doorway, holding it open for you, believing in the possibility of your redemption. Keep coming back to Christ. 
Listen to his teaching. Let him guide you. And I want to close with reminding you who you are. Because sometimes when we have done wrong, what we really need is to be reminded of who we are. I think I've told this story on a different episode once, but I had a really life-changing moment when I was with my sister visiting some friends of hers and they have four kids and some tiff happened between two of the kids and they got in an argument, something happened. I think one of them hit another. And so they came out crying and the parents had a talk with the kids just right there in front of us. And it was so profound. The dad asked the girl, what did you do? And she named what she did. And she said, and he said, who are you? She said, I'm a child of God. And he said, did you act like a child of God just now? And she said, no. He reminded her of who she is. He didn't say you are bad or you are terrible or you're a monster for hitting your sister. He says, who are you? You are a child of God. So often when we do something wrong, we just have to be reminded of who we are and whose you are. And so that's where I want to close today to remind you that you are created in God's image. You are a child of God. And when God created you, God called you good. Despite what you may have been told growing up or even as an adult, you are not bad. You are not terrible. You are good. You are smart. You are kind. You are capable. You are worthy of rest. You belong here. The world is better because you are in it. You are capable of change. You are a good friend and a good person. So often we are told the opposite of these things and we start to take it in and believe it. We are told that we are not loved, but my friend, you are. Jesus, all throughout scripture, all throughout the gospels, all Jesus is trying to do is remind us of who we are and whose we are, to remind us that we belong to God and to one another. When asked what the greatest commandment is, he says, to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. My friend, you are a child of God, a God who created you and called you good. Anytime you step out of that or move out of that alignment of who you are, Jesus will always be there with a lot of grace and compassion, holding the door open, calling you back in calling you into redemption, calling you into repentance, helping you to learn and do better because Jesus believes and knows that you are good. Amen. My friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so grateful for you. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. The Lady Preacher podcast is part of a nonprofit called Dancing Pastor Ministries. And you can find us online at dancingpastor.org or join the community by finding us on Facebook at Dancing Pastor Ministries. 
If you would like to be a part of supporting this podcast, there are many ways you can do that without giving monetarily. You can share our posts on social media, send an episode to a friend, or just leave a review. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so at dancingpastor.org slash give. My friend, you are a gift. Thank you for being here and God bless.